Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Funky Marketing Podcast. This is the podcast where I host people who are good people, working for good people and doing good things, basically. Those people can be copywriters, marketeers, designers, developers, entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter. What matters is that they are doing something different. And today is another one of those episodes related to the funky marketing top voices uh, i have uh, with me uh, a guest she's one of the funky marketing top voices uh, camille trent uh, welcome to the funky marketing podcast well thank you so much for having me i am honored to uh well to be on your list of top voices for one but then also uh to be on this show this morning so thank you yeah, I'll, uh, to, to introduce you, um, I, I want to read your About Us section on LinkedIn because I find it really nice. And uh, so I'm going to read it from word to word. So I'm a pretty even split of Phoebe and Monica, creative type who gets a little too competitive of the racquetball court. As a copywriter and marketeer, my job is to make it easier for your ideal customer to find you, trust you, and buy from you. That's it. That's my whole pitch. And if you're into fancy bullets, I've got those as well. So copywriter and brand strategist with experience working in-house, freelance, and at an agency, specialties, website copywriting, social media content. Chill, unless watching my portal trailblazers, blow another lead then all bets are off game leader for president uh i love it and it's kind of sums up really well uh like different points of of who you really are and what you do right yeah 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 so um well i could talk to that a little bit because i um i just wrote a piece about linkedin and how to optimize your your LinkedIn profile. Um, and that was aimed at freelancers really. Like it was um, a guide for freelancers. And I feel like I had kind of gone down that road before, right? Like, um, at one point, if you read my bio, it was probably three or four times as long. Um, and it was, you know, just basically like my, my life story of like at each job. Um, and then I realized people, it's not that they don't care, but they don't care yet. You know, they, they don't they don't know you well enough to want to know your, your full story. And so it's better just to kind of have the, the bullet points. And then on top of that, I, I think that I've sort of come around to the idea of, well, one, applying copywriting to, you know, every kind of parts of your life, um, every part of your writing, at least. Um, and that kind of includes, like, how do you tell the story in the uh, in as few words possible? Um, but also have personality in there, you know? So I think if people think, okay, as few words possible, then that removes the personality, right? Because that's removing the fluff. Um, it's just like the bare bones of things, right? But I'm talking about how do you uh, communicate concisely, but still show personality and not tell personality, if that makes sense. Like, how can I, how can I communicate sort of who I am so you get a sense of what it would be like to work with me without like spelling it out. <laughs> and so, so that's kind of what I try to do in my about page, but then also my copywriting in general of how can I, in a, in a more clever, not even clever, but a more creative way, uh, communicate those things without ever saying them. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I'm, what I'm trying to do there is like, if you, yeah, if you've watched friends or, you know, um, or if you have any idea of these characters, which um, I like friends, but it's not like, I actually like the office and some other shows more but it's more that that's like a piece of pop culture that most people know at this point. And so it's an easy way to like relate who I am by making those comparisons. And that's kind of, I guess, a go-to move for me anyways, is just um, analogies, right? Um, that's like a, a popular style, I guess, that I, that I use a lot is drawing those comparisons. Um, which I won't get into too much, but that's just um, an example of playing to your your personality strengths um, as a copywriter. It's not like one w right way to do it. Yeah, you you summed it very well. Like that's why copywriting is hard. Not everybody can be a good copywriter. You know, just trying to say so many things with using a uh, few words. That's that's an art, and not many people can can do it. Actually, a lot of people can write like long stories and uh, like extend to everything, but can you narrow it down to just a few words and still 
keep the essence. That's uh, something that not many people can do. And related to the friends, like I'm sure my wife is the go-to person for for the friends for everything. <laughs> like she can binge that thing for for days. I don't know. Like <laughs> I even know all the episodes just because she's binging them all the time. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, kind of how how it goes. She she lost the umbrella uh, with friends characters like after our wedding, and I think she still didn't get over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the the cultural glue that kind of like holds us all together. <laughs> like to, no matter where you like live in the world, like uh, you probably have heard of friends, and so it's it's uh, it's nice for that. Yeah. So let's let's go back to to the childhood and it's kind of interesting like you said that you grow up uh, in a forest with not many neighbors around and uh, four younger sisters right five. Uh, five five sorry oh that's 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 a lot and uh, and it's kind of interesting to me because i was like uh, growing up in the in the city with huge mountains around, but I didn't ever have like a village. My grandmother, grandfather, they didn't live in a village. So I guess when I was a little bit older, I started to organize huge summer camps in, just to find an excuse to go to the mountains, to go to the villages and kind of spend even two months in summer over there. So how it was growing up over there? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so the, the town that I grew up in is about 10,000 people. Um, it's pretty small. Uh, it was outside of Portland. So Portland, Oregon is also not like a huge city, you know, like it's a, it's a metropolitan area, but it's not like an LA or a New York or um, really not as big as like most metropolitan cities. So, um, so I grew up about 45 minutes um, from there and it's like on the way to the mountain. So so city people or, or people like from from Portland proper only knew about us because of this like awesome donut shop that's in our town. And so they're like, oh yeah, like Joe's Donuts, like we'd stop there, you know, on the way to go skiing and stuff. And so, so that's to give you a for like perspective of uh, of where it was. Um, and then it was a little bit more like rural too. A lot of the um, high school was an interesting split of like people who actually lived on the mountains, like that were kind of like ski bums. Um, and then you also have kind of like this rural mix, um, people like in Sandy or right outside of Sandy, cause like the logging community. Um, and then it's just like suburban, you know, like suburban people too. So it's kind of an interesting mix of people because of uh, the boundaries of the high school, they went all the way up to the mountain. So if, if you lived like within an hour, uh, like you were in that high school. And so, um, so yeah, so that, that was interesting, but uh, me specifically, like I lived, four miles like outside of this like small town too and so um so we're like one of the last bus stops um the the driveway that I lived on or that me and like my neighbors lived on uh was like this gravel driveway that was like half a mile long <laughs> that that we would walk like to and from like every day and so there really is the like you know walking two miles in the snow like back and forth um it wasn't super cold there, so so I don't have like a a lot of those like crazy, um, you know, no shoes like walking, you know, seven miles like there and back and stuff. Um, like we had a bus, and like my parents would pick us up if it was cold. Um, but it was that kind of like um, environment, like where there, there's trees all over too, because it's Oregon, so it's very like private. Um, and my nearest like neighbor probably lived like a fourth of a mile away. And so I, I had some friends and like I could bike to, to people, but nobody, it wasn't like a suburban, uh, it wasn't very suburban. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of my uh, childhood. Then I was the oldest of like a four, sorry, uh, five sisters. Um, and so I was kind of, I guess, leading the charge for some of our like creative adventures, which were like, um you know like we had a camcord and so it was like you know making music videos or making um videos in general um anytime like <laughs> we would get clothes at the store like we had put on like a fashion show and we'd do that um we would like reenact like mulan and stuff like we uh we just you know we, like you make your own fun <laughs> kind of because because it's, it's up to your imagination when you kind of like live in the middle of nowhere and when it's like uh, takes a long time to to get to anyone, um, and so we just yeah didn't didn't necessarily know the life where you 
where you go to a neighbor's house or you just like go to your next door neighbor's house. Um, but, uh, but we had a bunch of trees. We had like these, um, these clippers, like these shears. And so we would like cut down like bushes and like trees and stuff to like cut out forts. Um, so we would make forts, we would climb trees, ride our bikes, like, um, down this, down our like windy gravel roads and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't, um, definitely not, uh, not bitter or, or anything about it. I think it was like a fun, like I, idealistic childhood. Um, it wasn't until I was like a teenager that I was like, this sucks. Like nobody's close. Like I have to drive like 45 minutes to get to like my nearest friend at that point. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but I think that it opened up like my imagination, um, and sort of like creativity, um, especially I think being the oldest and like kind of in some ways feeling that responsibility to like create the, the fun. Yeah, I thought, I thought so. I thought that this is one of the reasons that uh, sparked your creativity. And you know, like, I'm just comparing how things are around here because we have also a lot of villages. I mean, not here right now when I'm in Oisal, but in my hometown, we have a lot of like mountain villages where like in winter they are just uh, outside of the world. Nobody goes there and it's kind of like it's it's not a it's a hard life uh all depends now you you had buses but they they don't have it and it's kind of uh, a different situation but i always kind of love that like the forest and everything like even in the recent years my father lived on a, on a hill um surrounded by vine yards and uh and oak trees and it was like fantastic. I still have the the house, and when I'm in my hometown, I go I go over there. The, like even my mother asked me, "What the hell are you doing there for two weeks?" I said, "Like I'm enjoying living life. You know, it's kind of cool to just detach and go go into nature." Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's awesome. Like the, I mean, there is like. Um... Uh, I guess it can be like lonely, you know, like the, it can be kind of like isolating in some ways, but um, where I live specifically, like I look back on it and I'm like, oh, this was like idealistic for a lot of reasons because we're like 45 minutes from the mountain. Like we could go, go skiing or go like tubing or whatever, um, like within 45 minutes. Um, and then also the other direction, it was like 45 minutes from the river, which was wide enough to like to go boating or um or there's like little islands between like uh, oregon and washington so you could actually go like camp out like on these islands and so um so it was really cool because you kind of have like the water and like the mountains nearby and you have a city like within 45 minutes and so um so it's kind of the best of both worlds like looking looking back on it i wouldn't mind living living somewhere again um like that although like now that i'm now that i'm older i do like living close closer to the city like um we don't we live just like right outside um of denver and that's i like that yeah, sounds sounds good uh, i'm trying to like to find where to buy a house a little bit outside of the city but i can um get to the city fast because i still love like concerts music all that all that sparkles like where i live the city has different cultures different um heritage and you know it's kind of interesting and dynamic because and i i like that that feel that bit of the city i like it but i still uh, i like the nature as well so trying to find like a middle so after the childhood um what were your first touches with with work how did you start working i i that's the question i always ask because it's i always get tons of different answers everybody has their own experience yeah um yeah the bridge kind of right and so i think about this sometimes like what are the the very first things i guess that got me interested in writing um and i think it was when i was in middle school i got a guitar and so i, I wanted to like learn this guitar and even before that i played the piano but i was never super in, in retrospect i'm like kicking myself but um but i was never like super interested in the piano because i was mainly learning classical music um and I'm much better by ear than by reading notes. And so, um, so I think that was like a struggle with the, I had really good piano teachers, but just with the um, piano teaching style. And so, 
yeah so anyway so I was, I was gravitating toward the guitar I was trying to like learn that and then I was also kind of like writing songs around that time like end of, end of middle school um, and then going into high school I started writing songs um, and you know they're just like the typical <laughs> middle school high school stuff uh, crushes and whatnot but um, in, in high school it was actually more about actually not crushes but also just like goofy stuff you know just like just like joke songs and so that's why I say Phoebe like in that comparison too because it was like Phoebe-esque like type songs that we're talking about like beatnik <laughs> and um, my, I had some really good English teachers and one of my uh, uh, assignments for that was to write you know a report on like an American author and so mine was Nathaniel Hawthorne so one of the first songs that I wrote in high school was just like a parody song um about <laughs> Nathaniel Hawthorne so very niche um and then I I really enjoyed that like I performed that for the class I like played guitar and um then either I proposed it or like you know or some of my friends brought it up because they all had to do like their own their own American author reports and so I ended up just writing songs and like performing for, for each of their reports as well um, and, and to me it was just kind of like a challenge or like an exercise to um, to do it you know like I think if I have a prompt um, then then I do pretty well I've, I've been thinking about this for people because I think there's two different like struggles with with writing or copywriting um, and one of them especially like for something like LinkedIn right you're, you're trying to write something every day and it seems like some people have issues like coming up with the idea but coming up with the idea is not usually my issue like like my issue is is usually narrowing it down right and so um or just finding the thing that i to focus on um or something that i'm passionate enough that i'll stick with and so um so i like i like social media for that reason because i um it's not as big of a commitment you know like it's you got a, a short like character count um but i can i can pick a direction and i can sort of like flush it out um but anyway sorry sorry going back to this um high school writing songs um and then i go to college and um i talked to a counselor um and they're like hey you know what do you like to do and so i said art uh writing business <laughs> like the, those are like i remember those are like the three like words that i gave them and because i had done some art in in high school but i was also not very detail oriented with it like I didn't care about the the details of the picture I cared about like the concept you know behind it um, and like the meaning behind it and so, and so I, was, I was doing some of that I was, was writing these songs I, I always enjoyed English um, I was actually a little bit better at math um, like I, I always scored scored better in math and I think looking back on it it was partly because uh, of structure like if I had enough like structure then I, I could do well but but I was more of like a creative writer at that point. Um, and then, yeah, business, like I, I was just sort of like entrepreneurial. Um, and that sort of came from just living out in the woods <laughs> uh, with um, with a bunch of like sisters. So at one point we um, sort of like created our own like uh, economy <laughs> of like sorts on like the the top of the stairs, like the, the upstairs where like we had like fake fake dollars or whatever like we had like a bartering system <laughs> like upstairs and so so things like that um but I was um uh, making caramels and stuff too like I was um selling selling making things and selling things and so um so I liked all of those things and then the counselor was like well you should check out the advertising department because that's sort of a mix of everything that you that you like where it's creative um but it relates to business um and there's uh there's a copywriter's like track like within there and so i didn't really know what that was but i sounded interesting i was like oh yeah like i would love i was making like fake commercials like growing up and stuff too you know i was making like these mock commercials too and so so i kind of like immediately did that like i sort of knew like going into college that that was what i was going to try and do um and so from there, like you had to apply to that program, to the advertising program, because it was somewhat competitive, and then got in, got into that, and then from there you could apply to the creative track, which was also competitive, and so um, so I ended up doing that as well. Um, and within that, one of the tracks was like copywriting, and so so I got like really specific, <laughs> like really early on, and I I wanted to work for a big 
a big agency. Um, like I, I, again, I was, I think I mentioned this, but I was watching like Mad Men at the time it was like coming out. And so I was like, I want to be like the Peggy Olsen. I want to work at like an Ogilvy like type, <laughs> type shop. Um, and that sort of meant like LA or New York or, um, or Denver, just like a bigger metropolitan area. So, um, so I was, I was doing pretty well in that program and I got into, for my internship, um, I, I got into the Martin agency, which is known for like the Geico commercials and like the, the Oreo jingles. So it was like perfect, um, for, <laughs> uh, for what I wanted to do. Um, but I, so I did that internship for a few months or however long it was. And then, um, my husband though, at the time, like I got married in college. And so, um, he is studying, um, uh, infectious disease actually. And so before, before all this pandemic stuff. And so, so he was, um, he was studying microbiology as an undergrad, and then he wanted to do a PhD program in infectious disease. And so they had a pretty good program out in Galveston. Um, so in Houston area. So we ended up moving out there. Um, you know, they, they're not known for their agencies necessarily, at least they don't have any like big ones. And so, um, so I just, I got a job at, um, at the biggest agency. I was going to like make the, make the best of it. And, uh, and I, I learned a ton there, but it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't exactly like what I was prepared for. Like I was prepared for doing like creative, uh, commercial type, um, uh, advertising where it's a lot about just coming up with a big, big idea. Um, a lot of like B2C. And then what I ended up doing was a lot of like B2B, um, and a lot of like working for enterprises. Um, so a lot of, and a lot of tech companies. So for instance, I got to work from some big names. So like HP, um, Linksys, um, Belkin, like that, that sort of thing. Um, but it was a lot different. Like what I was doing was, was a lot different. And so, um, what was cool about it though, was I got to learn like technical writing, like as part of the job, you had to know, you had to be a good editor. You had to, um, be really good at technical writing. Cause you do, you're doing like tech, um, but you're doing like kind of like the boring parts of tech sometimes too. And so, um, so at one point, like I was, uh, advertising servers, you know, <laughs> so I had to figure out how like servers work. Um, and, um, but yeah, it was, so it was a really good, uh, it was a good exercise. I remember, um, a few years into it thinking like, oh, these are skills that a lot of my like colleagues, like wouldn't get to learn and not that they necessarily want to, <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's nice to be forced to do it in some ways. Um, and so my, my editing got a lot better. Um, my like just grammar and technical writing got a lot better. I did that for almost three years. Um, I was super burnt out on the commute. Um, and then in some, in some ways, like the lifestyle, and I don't think this is unique to my agency. I think, um, a lot of agencies typically can work, can work a lot of hours. Um, and there's a lot of churn, like there, there's a lot of, um, people leaving all the time too. And so, so I had the opportunity to work with probably like some of the most talented people that I've worked with, definitely the most creative or the most talented creatives that I've ever worked with. Um, so I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, but I was also kind of ready, ready to leave and that I felt like I had, I had learned a, a good amount of information. I, um, I wanted to learn like marketing. I didn't think about it in these terms, but I think that in, in retrospect, I wanted to learn marketing. So the shop was more of a production shop. Like we're, we're creating assets, um, that, and we were working with usually like product managers, like at big corporations, um, or we were working with like marketing directors, right? So basically we would give them like the assets um, and they would decide what to do with them or, or that maybe they had already had a plan um, going into it. And that's why they, they needed the assets to kind of fill that plan. But kind of what I realized is that a lot of people didn't have a plan <laughs> uh, or at least like not the best plan. And I didn't think about it uh, at that way at the time, but it was just afterwards that I was like, oh, it's frustrating that I don't, like one get to really see like what happens to it after we we give them the the assets but um, I also don't have any like control of it <laughs> you know like I I can't control like whether it's successful I don't know like what the distribution strategy is I don't even know what a distribution strategy is and so and so um I worked for like a small uh <laughs> like a fishing pier slash uh uh 
seafood restaurant um, in Galveston. Um, so Galveston is like a little island like uh, off of Houston. And so, um, <laughs> so I just took a job there because that's where my husband was working. We we're both um, sick of sick of commutes and so it was a way for us both to have like a five minute commute um and um yeah so so to so kind of have the lifestyle that i wanted but also it was helpful in in learning marketing in general so so there i, I put together like a few wordpress sites um and did some like meta descriptions and learned a little bit of like seo uh, mainly just like learned local marketing um and that included social media and learning some some distribution basically and some of it was like boots on the ground like passing out uh <laughs> coupons and things at, like nearby restaurants like manning like uh booths like at events like setting up setting up events so that we had a booth and then like talking to college students and things like that too because uh this is like a, a fancy a pretty like fancy restaurant on the water um but you would have like the off season and um, the tourist like season. So like the tourism season, like we're, we're booming, everything's good. And then it's just like completely dead after that. And so it's like, how do we um, stay, in, stay in business like during that time? And, uh, and so it's, you know, like a matter of if you can tap into to that market of what they called like winter Texans that like owned, owned homes and would come down there um, during the winter sometimes. sometimes. Um, or like the students that were always there. And so I was like, the students are always here. Like, let's try to tap into that market because they like drinks on the water as well. Like they don't have that like much money, but um, but they'll go for the experience. Like I'm in college, like you just, you want an experience. And so anyways, I'm going, going too deep into that, but I did that um, only for a few months actually. And then um, uh, a guy uh, called back up that I had interviewed with before. Um, and he was actually, he was working for like an oil and gas, like securities, like type company, um, when I had interviewed and then he, um, decided to leave there, went to like a, a regional bank, um, and was like, Hey, I still need like the same position. So if you're still interested, join here. And so, um, I, that was, this was mainly a personality thing at this point, I had realized that it was most important who you work with um who you work for than what you're doing necessarily and so i liked his vibe <laughs> and and so i uh, uh from the first interview actually so i kind of gave it a chance um even though i just started this other thing and so when interviewed um yeah liked what they were trying to do um liked that they were trying to appeal to that they had started their business to appeal to uh small and medium business owners like they had a very clear like vision of what what their bank was and unlike a lot of business owners who are just like i want to start a business and i'm i'm good at this thing and so, so i'll just do this um and and a lot of banks like start on the retail side but they were like no like there's a there's a gap in the market um where the the big corporations are taken care of and like the small guys are taken care of with credit unions but it's kind of like the in-between that we can service and so um so i liked the mission i joined there and i was there for a few years and um yeah i and started as like a, a writer um and then just got to because there wasn't much of a marketing department it was you know my boss that was the marketing director slash it director um and he was he was really good like he actually had a um, a lot of background in seo like when it was uh at its height you know like when it was uh a little bit easier to do um he had he had good background in like e-commerce seo um, and he had a good strategy, but, um, but he also had, had a few different things to juggle. And so, so I got to kind of like take over like where, where I wanted to. Um, and he, he gave me like a lot of flexibility to do that. So, so I learned a lot of good things there, had to like man the, the social as well. And I think, um, because of that learned, learned some things about social that have helped me a lot, um, and kind of learned like what I, what I wanted to do. So that kind of brings us present. I, I work, <laughs> I work for a marketer hire now I'm, as a managing editor. Um, but, uh, but essentially all of those experiences helped me learn that, um, uh, that I like content marketing for one, like I, I didn't even necessarily know that term like a few years ago, but just that I wanted to, um, I wanted to write, um, but I wanted to be involved in like the whole marketing process, like not just the creation part of it, um, but the distribution part of it. Um, and um and just have like a little bit more control like over 
whether or not something is successful for, for better or worse, right? Like you get, you get like the, the full, full blame, but also like the, the, the full like rewards, like when it, when it works out. And so, um, yeah, so doing those things, I, you know, I started in copywriting, I went to go more broad. Um, and then I kind of like wanted to, to go back and be a little bit more specific and, and content marketing was a good way to marry those things. Yeah, it's good when I don't need to ask questions, <laughs> when you just <laughs> unlock it. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I heard a few, few important things over there that I want to emphasize. So first one is, it's good when the educational system gives you the chance to, to narrow it down to something, even though maybe at that time you don't know how narrow you want to go, but it's good that you can have a chance to do that. Like, in my case, I couldn't do that. I mean, I was studying marketing, but uh, I ended up as a dropout because I didn't learn anything about marketing over there. Like it was one exam called like marketing. Other stuff were just like how to set up the prices, uh, how many corns they have in, in specific parties in the US, you know, like those kind of things that you needed just to learn. But okay, it gave me, let's say, uh, a foundation uh, that I can use now when I'm when I'm like start having my own business like how to do uh, I don't know the operations how to handle the team you know those kind of things so kind of like the big stuff but still nothing when it comes to the copyright that thing didn't exist back back uh, back then in Serbia but uh, anyway so uh, then starting to work with, uh, with your bigger companies when you are just one piece uh, in the whole marketing and advertising process. And uh, usually, you know, that thing that I heard from you, it's kind of what I'm hearing from a lot of like youngsters, young talented copywriters, when they, they read Ogilvy and they come to the agency and they expect like, I'm just gonna write. You know, I'm not, because in bigger agency, you have somebody who is doing the research, you have somebody who is doing some other stuff, you're just writing. But yep. then they end up going to the smaller agency when you actually need to do the research as well. You need to do some other stuff and then you learn, aha, so that's those things, or you don't learn ever. That's also happened. Mm. Uh, and then like, your story you went you went uh big with some big names then you went narrow and kind of like ended up working for a small restaurant and really trying all different things over there like i like to call that being in the dirt and trying some things that works and usually being in the dirt you actually see the the bigger picture you can see when things are moving uh at least for for yourself and basically that's what got you into where you are now so you handle not just the creation part of the of the content but also the distribution and just kind of handle the process but uh, it also reminds me of uh, of a thing that a lot of marketing agencies uh, the mistake a lot of marketing agencies are making and it is they just implement somebody else's strategies vision processes anyway they just handle one specific part of the process so and they actually, in most cases, accept the, um, the blame if they don't get to the results. And it's kind of like you, you don't, you can't actually accept those things if you cannot, if the whole process doesn't depend on you. And this, this is some of the mistakes that I'm, that I'm seeing when it comes to marketing. So talking about that, uh, what's kind of like a bad marketing for you? What are some examples that you are seeing around? I, I know that there's a lot of it around us. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm actually a big fan of like what Chris Walker's doing. Um, so like their refined labs. Um, and I'm a big fan of what, what you guys are doing. And I think it's kind of similar, right? Like where you guys are both, um, t well, tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, where you guys are both doing some demand generation and you're, you're doing, um, sort of like full cycle marketing, like in, in some ways, right? Like where you're kind of like taking it end to end, like from like the, the strategy um, to like consulting with the clients, figuring out what they actually need and then like making that happen, right? And so um, I think 
um, when you're in a place where you're forced to, to, to learn those things, like to learn how it all fits together, um, then that's like when um, you develop like a lot of confidence and, um, and where you can succeed uh, because, um, because instead of knowing like this, this one thing, this one niche thing, which that can work as well. Like there's plenty of um, production sh shops or people that are, you know, just good at video um, and that can work as well. Like I think there's something to be said for, for a very like niche agency, but, um, but I think that that is the, um, not weakness, but the risk um, if, if you go that route is um, if you don't ever like learn marketing like as a whole, um, then if you do need to market yourself like or if those services like become like less in demand and, and where at one point it was just you're getting a bunch of clients because it's popular, like video for instance, um, but then everyone starts doing it, you know, and, and you don't necessarily know how to, to market yourself. Um, that's kind of when you get in, into trouble. And so I think just listening to, um, to Chris Walker's podcast, um, um, listening to, to people, people like you or other people on LinkedIn, um, seeing kind of how they process things, um, really just seeing that people can process things and how they think through the, the whole life cycle. Um, I think an example, a good example that you had the other day was like your distribution strategy. Like, um, uh, it was kind of like your like spider web of, <laughs> of the process. Um, and, uh, so I think thinking, that way, like thinking strategically um, in how it all fits together and how we're gonna get from point A to point B and what those steps are in between, drawing it out. Like I think that those are the people that are, they don't have to worry as much because like they, they have like planned it out and they have done it before. Um, so I think what what's working right now is people that un understand both to some degree, like not, not necessarily like 100% proficient, but um, are able to know what they need. And so, um, so performance marketing and then like brand marketing um, and then uh, content creation and content distribution, like in its simplest forms, like that's pretty much marketing, right? Like where um, you need to understand like the, the mathy side and um, operations, like as, as you mentioned, but then you also need to have like some creativity or be able to know how to, how and when to mix that in. Um, and I think that a lot of that comes from just investing enough time in your customers um, and, and listening to your customers. So I think platform, that's why I like platforms like LinkedIn um, is because it actually checks a lot of boxes. Like you're able to do a lot of social listening. You're able to like understand your audience. You're able to get like real time feedback basically like within 24 hours, like see if a, a concept that there's something there. Um, and, and basically, and for free, right? Like you can, you can put something out there in the world, like kind of get it validated and then you can put more money behind it. Um, so, and you can do that with different social platforms as well. Like I know people that'll post on something small on Twitter. And then if that does well, then they'll post it on LinkedIn. If that does well, they'll make it a blog post. And like, if that does, if that does well, like they'll, they'll make it an ad. And so there's a very like strategic way to do it. But I think, um, yeah, going, going back to Chris Walker, since I've listened to a lot of his, his uh, State of Demand Gen po podcast, I think just demonstrating that he has like had an e-commerce store, um, you know, start, um, worked as a product manager, I think first, or like on the engineer side of it, um, then worked on like the brand side of it, um, and also was, was there during like the height of performance marketing in some ways, and, and got in on the ground floor of social advertising. So um just forcing yourself to do all of those things like not being satisfied with one element of marketing um and then knowing when and how to put it all together like he strikes me as like a type of person that doesn't <laughs> i don't know if this is the right way to put it but um doesn't have like a dog in the fight you know like he doesn't care if like performance marketing wins or if uh brand marketing wins he's just wants to test everything and then whatever tests well and whatever works like that's that's what he'll do and then so i think like learning from <clears throat> people like that that have done a little bit of everything and doing a little bit of everything myself um and <clears throat> and you're seeing where those patterns are and seeing if um, other people are seeing those same things um has been the most successful and so i think like that's that's why i talk about being in communities and and listening to the market talking to people 
social media. I think when you put all of that together, um, that's kind of where the magic happens. Uh, nicely, nicely, nicely said. A nice overview of, of everything. Uh, I need to say uh, that uh, Chris Walker takes credits for uh, for me starting to simplify things uh, more because I was talking about those things that he's talking about even before, but I I real I was considering it as something that's that's foundation that's basic that everybody. In, understands and this was one of one of the biggest mistakes that i made because uh actually it is the foundation but people didn't do it like that and didn't understand it like that so when chris said it in a way he said it it uh it's like a revolution it sounds like a revolution that completely it completely changed the the mindset and that's why it's kind of uh, interesting and like realizing that in July, I think this is the moment where I uh, where, like even my LinkedIn started to grow like from, from 6,000 followers, I'm now approaching 18,000. So it's kind of like a crazy growth and just because I, I dumped down the way I'm saying things just so like people can understand them and uh, also, one of the things that, that you mentioned, and uh, I don't talk about much these days when it comes to like the operations. I used to work for two, two years as a director of operations, and before that, I was a GM. And, uh, and I was talking a lot about it. That's why I'm kind of like maybe bored to talk more about it. But uh, <laughs> I, learned, I learned a lot, and I learned um, that some CEOs or the business owners don't take, um, usually take it for granted and not implement it as much. Like in the agency where I work uh, before I started Funky Marketing, like I was brought in as director of operations to help us scale and uh, like improve the processes and everything. And I did it in the first month. But the, the CEO, the owner, uh, it's the same person never actually wanted to implement it. And like when I was leaving the last month, he told me, can you, can you actually write the processes? But like I wrote them in the first month, I, I, I will just do the same and they will be made as, as I see them. Like it, it doesn't matter, just, just do them so we can have something. And you know, and it, it, he basically told me that it's a good thing that I'm leaving just by by doing that and um, also like things that you mentioned using twitter using facebook using different platforms to try out things i mean most of the things that i'm writing on linkedin are the posts in serbian that i posted on facebook like two three four five years ago i was just using it as a twitter just to see if i can get people to react to something and uh, now when Mem Facebook memories are reminding me. I just like translate it to English, maybe add a few things, and I post it on LinkedIn, and it goes viral. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that's a cool story. Yeah, to hear. It. I mean, that's a really good uh, case study in repurposing, right? Like in in repurposing content, and um, because you're basically talking about like some principles of operations, you know, of like of being efficient, um, and then like the the creative and like the uh, creation process um and how it's not like a, a one and done thing um i'm blanking on his name right now simmons i want to say um richard i, I don't know uh, some, but some guy on, on linkedin who's who's really big on this is is basically like create create once um and distribute forever right like that the concept of like um of and because because i have a hard time with this because i like um, being orig like original, um, like I, I don't like the idea of just like posting the same thing um, and like boring my audience, basically, right? And so, um, so I still kind of struggle with this, but I like I I'm coming around to the concept of like iterations, basically, right? Like it doesn't have to be the same thing, but but iterations so that you are meeting your audience where they are. Um, and so it's, it's, it's chan channel dependent, right? Like um, Twitter is gonna be different than LinkedIn, it's gonna be different than Facebook. Um, so, so listening to that and then, you know, longer form content, 
thinking about what that could be. And I think it's essentially like a blog or a, a podcast. Um, and I think, you know, some really smart people are, are doing like the, the, the video content, like, uh, you know, like the video webinar slash podcast, like that can be turned into a, a, a blog post and it can be turned into these smaller things. And that's a good way to kind of just do all of them in one. Um, but yeah, at my, at my last job at the bank, um, for the last year, almost a year, I was reporting to the COO, like to, so to the, um, operations lead and, um, and he had like a very like banking background, like very like operations focused, um, background and like thought inefficiencies. And that was really helpful for me because I could predict like what his feedback would be about something right and so it forced me to kind of build in that step sometimes of um you know uh before before going to your supervisor going to your boss like um when you get like enough feedback from them because i i got different feedback from you know from different supervisors uh you you get to know like what they're looking for right and so um so for instance my my boss before that i would um start trying to like be more critical about like my design because i wasn't as strong in design but um but i would kind of like know to make everything proportional like and make it look a, a certain way you know and so you kind of like learn that and then with um with the coo i i started kind of like thinking inefficiencies too of like okay what is my pitch for you know buying this product or um or this strategy, you know, um, like I, I would think about business outcomes a little bit too, right? Um, think and uh, both for with both of my bosses, really like um, my my boss right before that was was really good as well, and um, sort of challenged me to to track things, like to to track things where I where I could, um, and I think in like the the SaaS world um, and startup world, like sometimes you can go too too far on that as well. Um, but, um, but I think like where possible, like you should, you should try and track pretty much everything. Um, that's, that's kind of like my thought on it, but I, but not like make all of your decisions based on that and not assume that it's accurate too. And so, um, so yeah, so for one campaign, it was like a, um, an ad just in like newspapers, like it was very like traditional stuff that we were doing. Um, but I had to like figure out a way to like track the efficiency of that campaign. And so it, it essentially about, uh, involved um, me creating a training deck like for um, the, for the bankers um, on on how to input um, you know, whether or not they had heard about this ad through the Houston Chronicle and if they had like to to check that box essentially but it was a matter of like sending that out a few times as like as reminders and then also like calling them and and seeing if they were having any issues with that or if them and like the other bankers were able to track that um and uh so yeah so sometimes it's just, it's just kind of like getting scrappy like we didn't have a crm or anything at that time like this was this was basically an excel sheet um and uh and then using like that that one um how'd you hear about us like the uh, thing um you know on, on our website and then also when people came in um but then i was surprised that it um <laughs> like like i uh you know put time into um uh, into the creative and things and we had a we were running a good uh good deal but it was still kind of like surprising when it worked <laughs> you know like uh, when when you're able to track it um and and then i was able to you know, do some, some basic, uh, Excel, um, in, in saying, okay, this is how much we're paying every month, like for, um, for this ad buy. And then this is um, how many people signed up because of this. And the, these are which offices that they signed up, um, in. And so this is where it's working. Um, and then making decisions based off that, you know, so for instance, in this case, we're advertising in two different, newspapers and I ended up cutting one of them because um, while it was efficient, it wasn't as efficient as the other one. And so I was like, I'd rather like just, just run it in the other one. It, it's still hitting the same people. It's a larger publication. Um, and so, so yeah, so just, just learning from, from that, that's like a very basic example of uh, tracking things where you can. Um, and even if there's not a built-in way to do it. Um, like you can build build the way to do it. Cause in that case, it was just just trainings and like reminders and uh, yeah. And just like basic Excel equations of like, 
you know, what's my revenue and then what's my total profit too. So that was another cool thing that I learned was just knowing to ask some of those things, right. Of, um, okay, well, this is, this is how much in theory, you know, like this is how much like the, the revenue is, but, um, you know, once you take out like your, your marketing spend, your advertising spend, um, and then you look at your actual margins that you're making like on that, cause it's not, it's obviously not a hundred percent profit. Um, like what's your actual profit. And so, so that's what I was looking at for, for, for campaigns was like the profit too, based on our margins. And so, um, so yeah, I think that that exercise specifically, um, and then working with an, an operations minded person to teach me some of those things. Um, because he started one, one, one of the best questions he asked me was, you know, if it was your money, what would you do? <laughs> like, what would you do with it? And so, um, I think I tried to think about that anyways, working in two small, really small, uh, smaller operations, smaller businesses, you're kind of forced to think that way. Like they're not, they're not just handing out money like they might in a larger corporation. And so you, I think that's good. Like, I think, I think it's good to, to work in a small organization at some point in your career because you start thinking as if it's, if, as if it's your own money, um, or at least like having some scrutiny to what you're buying. Yeah, you, you reminded me of, uh, of, of something i mean that thing that you said totally it's totally worth it like what would you do if it's your own money like that's how i'm kind of influencing people in funky marketing to think about about uh, clients projects and accounts like look at it as if it's yours and then suggest optimize add break on it do whatever but look at it as if it's yours would you do that or you know those kind of things, and it reminded me of a, of a campaign we used to run back then uh, while I was working in a in a different agency, like working in performance marketing. We worked mm -hmm. with uh, with Curaprox. I don't know if you if you know about them. Like it's I guess the biggest uh, toothbrush uh, producer in in Europe all kind of uh, products connected to the to the dental care and you know those kind of things and so we did a literation campaign uh, and we we tried to um, identify people who are their users then to differentiate them and, and then to qualify them based on the products you know and uh, it was kind of interesting because uh, we managed to get, I think, 16,000 leads in like less than two months. It was like uh, really crazy because they have a brand and people know about them. So that kind of thing made it easier, but mm -hmm. um, they have a specific product. So we needed to go deep and to think about the things that we will use to extract the information for people. So like, uh, basically they have interdental uh, toothbrushes and we couldn't just ask people, do you have like uh, space between your tooth? You know, those kind of things. So, so we said, okay, let's ask them if, they, if they're using the tooth sticks. You know, if they are, they probably need those, uh, those toothbrushes or, you know, those kind of things. And one thing we added uh, at, at the end, it is to like, what would you do if, Kodaprox doesn't exist starting tomorrow, you know, because it's a brand people, that people get attached to. They're using it every day, and we gave them the award. Like first three award people will get some things, and uh, just out of that question, we got uh, ideas for content for the next year for social media, like because we can follow the path and it's 16,000 people answering. We can follow the path, see some things that are unique, some things that really reflect what people feel about it. And it was kind of like a huge win. But I mean, what the client did with those leads, that's a different story. But uh, from our side, it was really great. And it's how like simple, small question can actually change the whole narrative of the results you get and what you can do with them. Yeah, that's an, that's an awesome story. Um, and again, like it, it goes back to, to like, to thinking creatively in that when you got those responses, um, you weren't just thinking about like, uh, 
I don't know, like violating customer customer privacy and like like how can I like uh, extract like uh, this so I can sell people immediately. Um, I mean, in this circumstance, you're you're an agency, and so you're just delivering delivering the leads, but you're thinking about it as like qualitative data and like how can I internalize this um, and use it for social media? Like how can I um, speak in the voice of the customer basically like they're they're giving they're giving us like exactly like what they think about things um and so we can either you know use their use their own voice like if they've given permission like or at least take the sentiment of it to like inform like our entire social strategy so i think it's it's cool for that and then um yeah just also from like a performance standpoint um that was the thing that i was kind of weak in and that i just hadn't done had like like i said i didn't have to do like the distribution part or like some of the performance marketing things like it was either taken care of by other uh agencies or it just wasn't something um that we did so um so i'd been wanting to like learn more um about those things and i had um taken courses and, and things as well but um but i think that's also something something that i've i've learned just from absorbing like from other marketers um, is that it was it was brand focused and then it was it went over to performance and now it's like it's kind of swinging back to brand it's not that you don't need performance but it is like a, a solid mix of the two and I think what's interesting like I keep going back to, to Chris's story I just think it's interesting but um but what's interesting for him is that like he understands performance marketing and social media marketing um, but he started his own brand like uh with without paid ads <laughs> like uh with with pure like brand um a pure brand play and so i think like where possible like if if you can bootstrap and if you can um basically survive long enough to build a brand um and to grow that way um that that that's the way to go and so i think for most like solopreneurs and things like it it does make sense like to to kind of like start building an audience now or, or start testing things now um, because because uh, that'll like pay, pay off in the long run because most people like don't have a, a, a year runway you know of like I can just I'll make zero dollars for like for like a year um, and then uh, and then it'll work out because like because I think that brand brand marketing works like if you have the time um, and if you have like the the patience to do it and so um, that's sometimes like where people um, get frustrated is because like they're like, well, I'm not seeing any any leads from it, so we need to do something else. Um, and um, so that's often why there needs to be a balance because unless your your brand marketing is perfect too, like if you know if it's like completely um, perfect and you can hold out for a certain amount of time, then like you you can grow with that specifically um but if not like you you at least need a balance like of those things um and and depending you know if you're in b2c or, or b2b and like how transactional uh it is and how long the sales cycle is uh, cool so i i don't need to ask you what will you double down in the next year you already said a lot of things <laughs> a lot of good um, advice no I can, I can i no i'll answer that as well uh-huh um, let's go into the question so um yeah, August um, August fifth um, is when I was like, okay, I'm gonna post on on LinkedIn every day. Um, whereas before that, it was I was doing it. Um, I was posting, you know, maybe every other day, or I had worked up to kind of like every other day. I was posting a few times a week, um, but I wasn't committed to it. And I think if you're if you're not committed to it and you don't put yourself in a position to to fail, then um, you don't at least for me, like, I don't, I don't give it my all or I don't, I don't give it my best. Like, and so when I decided to, to commit to doing that, um, then I, I knew that I was basically saying like, I'm going to try, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to like really try. And so, so that if it, if it doesn't work, like it's going to be, um, crushing in some ways because I will have felt like I have like, um, actually tried. And if, if, if I wasn't doing it, then I would, I could always say, well, I wasn't really trying and that's, that's why I didn't succeed. And so I think, um, for me, like when I put myself in that position, um, then I'm going to work harder, um, to, to create good content or to put myself in a position to succeed because I won't have anything to fall back on. 
you know? And so it's not like, um, it's not like the stakes are, are high. Cause I, you know, I had like a, a job at that time I was, I was freelancing, like I didn't, I didn't need, and I think this is another important point. Like I didn't need it to work. Um, I was like doing fine without it, but it's like, if, if it does work, then I'm, I, I'm able to use those insights to be better at the social media parts of my job. Um, um, and then there's lots of things that I didn't consider, like when I was doing it, <laughs> I really just wanted to learn the platform so that I could, uh, you know, help my clients, like help, um, help the business, um, help my myself with my own like personal branding. But then um, I learned that another part of it, like the actual networking part of, of LinkedIn is pretty, is pretty great as well. So just, just um, finding some people that, um, that I thought were doing interesting work um, and like reaching out to them and asking them about, you know, their background and things that are working for them and being willing to share anything that's working for me. So I think that that openness of just being able to share, willing and able to share like what's working for you and testing enough things that you have valuable information to share. Um, I think that's a good way to, um, to go with, with social media. Um, but then, yeah, but I think it's ultimately just, um, enough repetition. <laughs> and so for me, like putting myself in, uh, in a position where I'm making, I'm basically making a promise to myself of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this every, every day for at least like the, you know, the rest of the year. And, um, and then I'm actually, and then I actually do it, you know? Um, and I also don't want to put my name on something that I don't like, <laughs> you know, like, cause it's ultimately like your name and your, and your brand and stuff. And so I think having some, some sort of standards, um, um, was, was big for me, um, of, and the standards were basically, I have a deadline, <laughs> like I need to get this out before midnight, um, every day. And then, um, on the other hand, like I having standards for quality. So like, um, like I, that was the part that was more natural for me. Cause I had been like writing content and I felt like I knew what good content looked like. Um, especially talking to marketers, like you can just say to yourself, what would I like to consume? Like what I engage in this post, you know, am I like, am I actually learning while I'm writing it? <laughs> you know, like, am I able to clarify something or explain it in, in a way that I wasn't able to before. And so, so those are kind of some checks that I use as far as for 2021, like, I mean, I'm, I'm planning to continue, <laughs> continue doing, doing what I'm doing um, and that that's working, but probably also um, test some other um, mediums with that. So I'd, I'd done a little bit of, a little bit of video, um, a little bit, uh, like a few gifts, uh, like a few sliders and stuff, but, um, images. So, so like mixing in some kind of like multimedia stuff in there, um, to test that. And on top of that podcasts, um, I think we're gonna, uh, for, for my job as well, we're going to be, um, I think doing, um, doing, doing more of that. Um, so doing more, more video work and, uh, community type work. And I, I think that those are kind of two, core places to start on brand. I think um, uh, if you already have something going as far as like a system and um, performance marketing where you're, you're covering like the intent channels, um, which we are, you know, having like Google ads and social media ads and um, some good sponsorships and stuff. I think working on that as well. I'm a, I'm, I'm personally, I'm not, I'm not in the paid, paid ads, um, side of things. Like I, I, we all collaborate and I think that's um, a fun part of working at a startup. Um, but basically our, our paid ads guy is great and, um, and, he, and he's got some creative ideas, but, um, but even before that, I've, I've seen that we buy like my, I, my family, like me and my husband, like we buy from podcasts, like sometimes, like it's funny to see like that brands that we've never heard of, um, and only heard of from podcast ads. Um, work. And so I, I always pay attention to things that, that work on me, um, or things that get my attention. And, um, so I'm, I'm a believer in that actually of, of like some, sp some sponsorships working well, both in newsletters and podcasts, I think is, is interesting. Um, especially if you're, um, building the brand still, right? Like if you know, it's going to be a while, like if you're still building the runway for the brand side of things, then, um, then doing some of those sponsorships, um, in, in mediums that you know, your audience is, um, is kind of like a good stopgap solution, or maybe it's something that you continue doing even after your podcast is up and working. Um, 
but um, but yeah, those are things that I like is LinkedIn podcasts. For me personally, I think I um, I need to start posting on um, Twitter as well. It's kind of like the same thing where it's like I need to learn that learn that platform um, a little bit better because I'm, I'm comfortable with LinkedIn. I haven't done Twitter as much, and so um, I've I've only used it to like yell about about blazer games primarily and follow, follow other people. Like I'll learn marketing things from that, but I haven't used it um, for my own platform yet. Um, and so, you know, learning that for, for our brand, um, for marketer hire. And then uh, also just, you know, for my own um, knowledge, I think you have to constantly be learning if you're a marketer. Yeah. Sounds, sounds good. So many things to unlock over there. And I think listening to, to you and to me, like we can go on for like, five more hours and talk about mm -hmm. all kind of different things, nerd, nerd it out. And, uh, but there, there's one thing that I'd like us to do. I'd like you to, to join me and Marty Sanchez on B2B Weekly in January, maybe February. So we can, we can talk more about basketball connected, related to the marketing and all those kind of things. Yeah. I know you are a fan, NBA fan as, uh, as two of us are. Mm -hmm. So that that can be, I think, a good match, and we can go and unlock a, a lot of things over there. Especially that you are a Portland fan, and like, uh, there, like, Dame is doing a lot, not only related to the basketball, but also hip hop about community, about all kind of different things over yeah. there. And this is the topics that that Marty and I are, are just like tackling throughout the, the podcast, but never got really into into it. And I think mm -hmm. that would be a, a nice continuation of, of this of this conversation. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm always up for doing that. Yeah, so tell, tell me and the audience, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, well, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best, best place. Um, just DM me or uh, interact with with my content and um, I will try and respond. And um, yeah, I should, I should mention um, that I'm also the managing editor at Marketer Hire. And what we do is basically connect the best um, marketing freelancers with the best marketing teams. And yeah, so I'm, I'm essentially trying to create the best content for, for freelance marketers um, and for, for marketing teams. So. Uh, guys, I recommend you follow follow what uh, Camille is doing. Uh, I like I like it a lot, and I think she often has a different perspective than the one I could imagine for some topics. And this is like the kind of edge that I like to to see everywhere. And uh, yeah, thanks uh, thanks for for being here. Thank you for uh, for being my guest. And I hope we'll we'll do it one more time and unlock even even more things. Yeah, yeah, my my pleasure.